everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force. I'm your host, Brad Whipple here, and we are joined today once again. It's been a couple months, but they're back. Emerson Luthien from Girls with Sabres. They are back, and we're here to talk about Raylo. How are you all doing today? We're good. How are you? We're amazing. <laughs> I am so ready. We're recording late here on a Sunday night, and I'm going to try to turn this around and edit it for Monday. Hopefully, we'll see. But uh, I, I'm super happy to have you guys on the show, and I feel like all of our discussions in some form or fashion end up blowing my mind uh, halfway through and at several points. So this this should be fun. We're going to go really meta here on, on yes. Raylo. And, you know, I really wanted to do a dedicated Raylo episode before The Rise of Skywalker comes out, because I feel like it's an obligation as, as a Raylo myself and as somebody who's literal podcast artwork is centered around Raylo. <laughs> I feel like I, I really love your artwork. It is so <laughs> yeah. good. It's it is so good. good. I will hint to all of you out there that there is actually more artwork on the way. It's not Raylo related, but it's by the same artist. Um, so that will be coming soon, Yay. but it's not replacing the Raylo art. So don't be, don't be afraid there. Don't be hating. Um, as Kylo would say, but before we get started on this episode, did you guys want to introduce yourself for our listeners who might not already know you, although I'm sure those are few and far between. Everybody knows Girls with Sabres. Oh, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Emrys, and we are one half of the Girls with Sabres. We are a YouTube channel that does video essays, podcasts, and original material analyzing the world of star wars and as brad already mentioned um we really focus on the Raylo right now <laughs> because that is our mantra in life love peace love and Raylo. and my other half my co-creator of this channel is luthien hi i'm luthien <laughs> that's what i got <laughs> oh you have you have more we're I really do bring, trying. I do bring more to the table, honest. <laughs> she brings lots. She's she is the silver tongue, the woman of the silver tongue. She just is able to articulate so eloquently um the points that I just kind of <laughs> fumble around. Um, and I'm not I, yelling at Milo or you know <laughs> cursing. <laughs> So we work together on this. Um, yes. We, we build on each other's yeah. theories. Um, she'll share, share something and then I'll say something and then she builds on that and then I build on that. So really, it is very much a equal partnership of, um, mm-hmm. of doing this together. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited and thankful you guys have decided to join me amongst your, your busy schedule, I'm sure, leading up to the Rise of Skywalker. Speaking of which... How are you guys doing with that? Are you like getting a little anxious? Because I don't think it's like fully hit me yet, but this movie is going to absolutely wreck me in like a week and a half. Yes. And we're getting towards 10 day territory, which is kind of scary to think about. And I'm like, oh, my God, just 10 more days till we get that. We get that full blown Raylo kiss, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's happening. It is happening. Yeah. It is happening. Yeah. I know wait, there are wait. people who have just like stepped away from social media like they can't handle it. They don't want to see anymore we're we're a double-edged sword like there's so so many new newbies who are flocking to social media for like bits all bits and pieces whatever they can get their hands on before this film and that's when we can really start bringing in new people to the channel but yet i don't want to see anymore (laughs) yeah i i there's some 
I think I've seen all the TV spots right now. And and really, it's maybe, maybe we have seen between five to ten minutes max of this film. Maybe. And right. I, f- I feel we've really only seen, I don't even think we've seen the back half of the film. I think we've seen mostly probably the first bits and pieces from the first 20 minutes, maybe a little bit after that, and then maybe a little bit after that, and that's it. Yeah. But it's hard because, and and I've stated this before, where before The Last Jedi was not, I was not, we didn't, Girls with Sabres didn't exist. I was just a casual fan going into the film, super excited. Now we have the channel. I'm still super excited, but it's like things that I wouldn't be paying attention to, like all the clips and stuff. I wouldn't have seen that. I would have seen the main trailer, but I wouldn't have seen all the different TV spots. So I'm still very excited, obviously, super Mm -hmm. excited but I want to be done seeing it, but I'm like, oh, you know, when, when is a good time to go dark? And now we're yeah. getting into the 10 day where some script leaks might be happening. Some other yeah. leaks might be happening. I'm like, oh, where do we, and everybody likes to talk about it where's too. Is the, the unfortunate thing, you know, wants to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've hit the point where I'm no longer like scrolling through feeds, but I'm still actively like posting when I need to post things. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. So I'll like hop on DM as I need to um, with certain people and then post and then I'm off. You know, I'm not sitting there. I turned media off too, which is nice because now I no longer see those ads filtering in or new pictures. That has been tremendously helpful. So if you're out there and you kind of want to stay on Twitter, I would recommend doing that to get away from like, you know, a picture just popping in your feed, especially people who are going to be like leaking photos again from a couple months ago to like remind you, hey, this is a leak. And you're like, ah, so um, you don't (laughs) want that to happen to you. You don't want to slap your cheeks like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone and start screaming. That's not what you want to end up doing on your your Sunday or Monday night. We got to do another disclaimer just saying, you know, as much as we love DMs from from people Stop DMing us because 99% of the time we have already seen it. Mm -hmm. And so you just got to like keep it all inside. Don't share with us. DM of leaks, you know, and speculation and things of that nature. So yeah, we're we're trying to. But even the TV spots too. Like uh, it'll be maybe an hour into something I've already seen and then we'll get a message and it's the same thing, but it's like an hour removed. I'm just like, oh, thanks so yeah. much for sending that to us. But we like we're on <laughs> it. Like people don't understand how on it we are. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're get we're getting scarily close. So and, and speaking of, of Raylo leaks, I just DM'd you guys a Raylo leak if you want to check that out. But now <laughs> nice. as we get started, so if you're wondering what this episode's all about, again, it's Raylo. We're really digging in as a case study on Raylo. And I really want to either, if you're out there and you're not into Raylo, maybe try to convince you why Raylo is important and why it is the heart of the sequel trilogy, as I think. And if you're out there and you're already a Raylo, well, this will be just a great way for you to kind of bask in everything we've gotten so far in the Raylo realm and to kind of bring you up to speed on where these two characters are in their relationship and where it could potentially be going. What is the end game of Raylo and why is it important in the larger scope of a of a nine saga or a nine episode saga. So 
that's really what we want to get into today. And I want to start the conversation by talking about romance in general within Star Wars. It is important. It is actually the uh, literal heart of Star Wars, in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. when you think about all nine movies, romance is the basis for everything. And Star Wars itself was never really considered science fiction in my mind. It's considered space opera and it's like a romantic romantic fantasy story in a way and you know from my perspective you have Padme and Anakin on the prequels who give birth to uh, twins twin sons who then turn up to be Luke and Leia and Leia marries Han in the original trilogy and then they give birth to a new son in Ben Solo who now when you look at this final trilogy and you're asking yourself what's the romantic connection in this trilogy it's Rey and Kylo as every trilogy that's come before has had some sort of romantic relationship involved as the crux of the story or the motivations of our characters. So uh, to start with you guys, like, why do you think, you know, relationships and romance does belong in Star Wars? Because to me to say romance doesn't belong in Star Wars is like saying water doesn't belong in a pool, you know? <laughs> and and speaking of water, we're getting a lot of wet Kylo in this movie. I'm very excited. I, I, oh. uh, Kylo may not be the only wet person in the theater is all I'm saying. But anyway, that was an inappropriate joke. <laughs> We're I all love myself getting, some Adam Driver Everyone content. will be baptized in the waters that are Raylo after this <laughs> That film. is the true Raylo. <laughs> I'm seeing it right in there. 5D. I don't know about you guys, but the water's spraying out of the screen. So yes. it's, it's going to be 3D. crazy. 3D. Four-dimensional. <laughs> yeah. Fourth dimension. I, I think it, uh, to answer your question, I think we go to uh, George Lucas, who said, love people. That's all that Star Wars is. Love is what Star Wars is about. And, of course, there are different faces of love. There's love between family, love between friends, um, but there's also romantic love. And I feel like in order for us to see how love is Star Wars and Star Wars is love is we explore all of those different facets of love in our human experience. So if you take one away, is that complete if you take a romantic love away, then you're taking part of a, a core piece of the pie away from our, our experience as humans. I agree. I agree. It, it's hard to describe to people how, I mean, for us, it's, it's easy to see this narrative, especially when you, you put them all together, the move, the the three trilogies together. If you put them all together and you line them up, to to try to explain how Raylo is going to heal the mistakes of Anakin and Padme, it's it's hard. It's I I fear that the people who aren't getting it won't get it ever because it's so it's so. It's so simple. It's so, you're describing it as a circle. Like, well, how is that circle going to be complete? The family is going to come back together. Why would death solve this? It has to be love. It has to be a romance because that's what was ripped away from the first couple. And then they tried to explain it all from the very beginning, which was a mother's love and a mother's sacrifice. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's even more profound. Yes, this whole first, journey has started with love. The first sacrifice was her love of her son and and giving him up for something better. Yeah, 
for a better life. And uh, it's, it's hard to, to continue to try to explain that is, is, is frustrating. Um, yeah. But it, it all started with love and sacrifice. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I think it's very easy sometimes to overlook the sacrifice of Shmi Skywalker. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you bring her up because when we're talking about love, it doesn't again have to be romantic between um, X person and Y person, um, like a sexual love, but for a motherly love, familial love. I can't do it, mom. I just can't do it. love between a father and a son as we see with vader and luke and han and kylo han makes a sacrifice just as you know the motherly love between anakin and shmi shmi made that sacrifice as well for her son Mm -hmm. and han makes it later on it echoes you know echoes the first uh the love between obi-wan and and luke yeah it's a love obi-wan's been watching this kid for how long and he eventually makes that sacrifice knowing it will lead to something greater he will become more pop powerful than anybody else can possibly imagine and he can continue to guide this son that you know obi-wan never had but in a way he looks to him as that so there's so many different kinds of loves yeah you're my brother anakin i loved you i mean he he expresses it literally expresses it the great thing about raylo is that it hits these four aspects of love familial well not only is it going to heal the mistakes that the family has made? Maybe Shmi should not have sent Anakin away. Obviously, mm-hmm. that is the will of the, the Force, but what would have happened if she didn't do this? Well, he would never have... Uh, well, he met Padme, but would he have found Padme again, and would those cycle of events still have happened? I mean, it's, it's the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, the what-ifs, you just never know. But that mm-hmm. had a insane trickle-down effect. And so you have familial mistakes that need to be rectified. You have friendship mistakes that need to be rectified. And all this goes throughout the sequel tr- or the prequel trilogy. Um, Obi-Wan's mistakes, Qui-Gon's mistakes... Anakin's mistakes, Padme's mistakes, those need to be healed and rectified. And Mm -hmm. they were not really, though, in the original trilogy. You had Luke ready to sacrifice his life for his father to bring him back because he always had hope and belief that Anakin was still in there. 
but he only solved one of the four problems here. You also have people, romantic love that has never been fully solved. Anakin and Padme ended in tragedy. Han and Leia, and they've said it outright to each other. We couldn't get over our funks. We couldn't, we couldn't not get past what we were so comfortable doing. Me, a smuggler, you in politics, we went back to our old ways. We couldn't grow past them. They said it to each other in The Force Awakens. And now you have this couple who can heal all these aspects of love and come come together um, in, in such a passionate way. And yeah. J.J. even said in, in Vanity Fair, it's so profound. It's profound. And it's compassionate and it's, it's passionate. It's, it's everything. It's... it's it's cosmic. It's divine. It's the will of the force to bring these two together to heal the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. You also have romance that has only been told from a male perspective. That's been very literal. It's been Anakin mm-hmm. going to Padme and saying, you know, she's like, don't, don't look at me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And he continues to do that. He continues <laughs> to pursue her. Then you have Leia and Han, where Han is progressively and aggressively pursuing her on the Falcon and cornering, cornering her either, even. And it's a literal, right. it's a literal romantic mm-hmm. persuasion with Raylo, it is romance, and a lot of podcasters have been talking about this lately. It's from a film, female gaze, which means it is romance from a woman's perspective or a woman's point of view, where you see a man mature into a better man to be a strong and healthy romantic partner. And we've never seen that in Mm -hmm. star wars we have never seen what it looks like for a romantic partner to be selfless compassionate a good listener a a person who is willing to lay their life down for their spouse or for their lover and and luthien kind of touched upon that we've seen father and son we've seen mother and son but we have Mm -hmm. never seen the power of romantic love we have never seen that fairy tale aspect that a kiss can save you and wake you from the dead. It's and that's what George Lucas said too. Star Wars is a fairy tale at its root. Yet we've never seen that. We've never seen love, romance save the day. And so now it is time. Right. It is time for that. I love that meme where it shows Anakin and Padme's story and it says, you know, he wanted the girl until he wanted power more. Well, Raylo yeah. is the reverse of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants power until he wants the girl more. Yes. Everyone so, is so scared about Ben dying. Like, redemption, well, he can't, he has to die. Like, Vader did. How is he going to, like, the redemption and death go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. People forget what his father did in the first film of the original trilogy. He came back. What did a yep. solo man do? He came back. What did the solo man do in his origin story, quote unquote? He came back. Even though it yep. took him years, he still 
I mean, he stumbled into Kira, but everything he was doing, he was trying to get back to Kira. <laughs> so yeah. he was trying to come back. And that that is a powerful, powerful thing. Literally, his name means the only hope. And it people need to stop wigging out because a solo always comes back. And when I think about why Solo was released, you know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, it was released because they knew it was this character and they, you know, they thought the movie would do well and they just want to explain stuff that's happening, like the Kessel Run. They just want to show us everything for his origin. I'm like, yes. But also at the same time, thinking about it from a larger perspective, and I think you both are on to like the most important aspect of Solo is the Solo heart. Yes. That's why they released this movie. Yep. Is because they're gearing us up from a larger storytelling perspective. Solos always return, like you're saying. Yep. They always try to be the bad guy. But they can't do it. Tell me. Tell me, what am I, Kira? And she's like, you're the good guy. And he's like, no, I'm not. He refuses to believe that he's a good mm-hmm. guy. Everyone serves somebody high. Even Dryden Voss. You don't want to make an enemy of Crimson Dawn, which is exactly what you and I would both be doing if I left here with you. I'm not afraid of Crimson Dawn. I can take care of myself. You know, I'm not the kid you knew on Corelli anymore, Kira. No? No. Then who are you? I'm an outlaw. <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. Okay. Okay, outlaw. You can tell yourself that. But I might be the only person in the whole galaxy who knows what you really are. This runs in the lineage. Solo's a solo heart with the Skywalker power of the Force combined can bring balance. Yep. And I think that's why for so long the Skywalker lineage throughout uh, Luke and throughout Anakin, that's why that lineage was failing. And it wasn't until you had a solo heart and a Skywalker heart meet and combine to create Ben Solo. And now you again have the you know, the union of, of Ray and Kylo who are now going to be the opposites, the two sides of the same coin that need to have that romantic love to heal the, the galaxy. Cause like you said, you know, the reason the galaxy broke itself is because love itself was broken. Mm-hmm. Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. At what cost? You're a good person. Don't do this. I won't lose you the way I lost my mother. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of. And I'm doing it for you, to protect you. Mm-hmm. At that point, love broke. The galaxy was shattered. Yep. And now you're having, like you said, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. He has the most possible power he can ever have in his whole life. Everything he's ever done has now led to this moment of him being Supreme Leader. And you know what we're going to see in the first 30 minutes to an hour of The Rise of Skywalker is a hollow supreme leader somebody that now is on the top of the world and has everything he's ever dreamt of or thought he should have over Mm -hmm. his predecessor snoke and it's still not enough he still has a gaping hole in his heart you know why because he has a solo heart that's why is because a solo doesn't want power a solo wants 
love and secretly wants to be the good guy and wants to fight for a greater cause. And the Supreme Leader is going to be missing that, which is why he's going to go back to Rey. And that's why, ultimately, the galaxy will be saved. So I want to lead that into our, our next part of our conversation here in terms of just Kylo and Rey themselves. You know, what is the story that the sequel trilogy is telling us? Why are their their journeys so intertwined? And to to start, I really think that these are two characters that are living in the shadows of their past. One is literally living in the shadow of of Vader, of a two rebellion heroes, of a very strong force user in Luke, three people or four people that he's living in the shadow of, and he can't be his own person. Then you have an other person who is living in the shadow of an unknown who are my parents? Are they ever coming back? And these are two characters who are in the shadow of of who they are. And they, they're trying to discover that amid high expectations of this previous generation that has pushed everything onto them. And now they have to try to figure out their place in the story. It's literally what they're tr- they've been trying to do. And they're trying to speak to each other to kind of figure that out. And even, you know, J.J. Abrams recently said, this is a story of two people having to grapple with the burden the prior generation dumps on those that follow. Returning to the Death Star in this next movie is a metaphor, and it's incredibly cinematic, he says. So what do you guys think in terms of just their journeys intertwining with each other? Like, why why, why is this the story that needs to be told? It's, you know, we already, uh, as you were talking about, there have been two trilogies that have dealt with power. Like, how do you... Um, use the force as a force user? How do you train yourself in the force? How do you become a Jedi? That's what Anakin learned to do. And that's what Luke wanted to do. Luke, you know, sought out and said, I want to be a Jedi like my father before me. You have Rey. Rey has never said, I want to be a Jedi. She says, I need someone to show me my place in this. And Maz looks in her in her eye and says, the belonging you seek is not behind you, it's ahead. Again, those are the key words, belonging, intimacy. And that's what those two people need. Yes, they're living in the shadows of their past because they don't belong in the past. They belong in the present and the future. And that's what they're, that's what they want is they want a true connection with someone who understands them intimately and will not abandon them again. That's something that I think maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I think a a lot of people, when they hear Kylo's proposal, they think, oh, he is just trying to pull her down and belittle her. And yes, that's what it sounds literally. And the way that he says it is horrible, but Ryan Johnson said the reason he said that is he's trying to say in a horrible way, don't you see we are alike? Your parents threw you away. Well, so did mine. Mine didn't care about me. Mine were in their own selfish priorities of smuggling and political life. And they didn't care about me. They just threw me away to my uncle who actually wanted to kill me and was jealous of me from Kylo's perspective. So these are two people who want, um, who want someone to say, I am here for you and I won't leave you. And I want to know you intimately. And that again is another kind of romance that we have never seen before. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that is, uh, I don't know if you, when, if you go to the interrogation scene, but the interrogation scene is so packed with uh, metaphor and meaning 
it sets this Raylo connection up in more ways than one. It doesn't mm-hmm. just open the door for Ray in terms of her receiving some of Kylo's training, but it opens the door to intimacy, a depth of intimacy that we as humans in this earth really cannot even comprehend. Yeah. According to, to Jason Fry. Speaking of Jason Fry, I have the last Jedi novelization right here. And speaking on Kylo's threat, it says here, he advanced on Ray, the ignited lightsaber held loosely in one hand, but there was no threat in his approach. Suddenly, that scared her even more. And later on, he tells her, you come from nothing. And it says, his eyes softened, but not to me. Join me, please. And the way that he says please is genuine. It's not manipulative. He's not trying to bait her. He's not trying to fool her he is truly genuine in this moment and i think this is when he really comes out and i think that's why the relationship is just so fascinating to me because it it is genuine it's not there's no trickery involved and even jj abrams says they're two sides of the same coin and when they're together they haunt each other in a way they know they have unresolved business with each other every time they meet there's something there that they can't quite understand (laughs) <laughs> it's Beauty and the Beast in space. What do they sing yeah. together? You know, there's something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> I didn't say that perfectly. Sorry, guys, I'm tired. But you know what I what I mean? They keep on looking at each other like, hmm, I'm sensing and seeing things about this person that I've never seen or heard before. Right. And it's funny, too, because I was watching the first time that they have for Skype, and when Kylo says, you know, you couldn't do this on your own. The effort itself would kill you. And then he goes, no, this is something else. And I was rewatching it today. I was like, whoa. I was like, oh, my God. I just read that so differently now. And I feel like I should have caught that earlier. But now I'm reading it like he's starting to realize like that's like a meta perspective. Like, yeah, he realizes there's something there from maybe like a movie perspective. You're supposed to think maybe it's Snoke, whatever. But really, it's the connection between those two that are driving them to to be yeah. in this like safe space the force is driving them together previously when it had split them apart literally with the yeah. ground so in terms of the evolution of of Raylo, i think it'd kind of be fun to go through their their journey so far because i mean we have the force awakens from one director and then we have the last jedi from another director but i, I still think the movies go hand in hand they they fit so well together and advancing these characters stories so you know, let's start with, I think one of the most important things between these two characters' relationships is watch girl. You know, that's like one of the first times exactly. we hear Kylo acknowledge the existence of Rey. And I've, it's always something that's kind of made me scratch my head. And part of me feels like he's always known there's been something in his future, whether it's from his visions or just this kind of void in himself that he knows is missing. And he's thinking, oh, maybe there's this this girl that is escaping with this droid. I need the droid, but also maybe I need the girl more. And that's why he later on says, you know, we have everything we need. So let's start with you, Luthien. Like, what did you think on this line? Like, what's your, like, what's your interpretation of like, what girl? The start of it all. Anything else? The two were accompanied by a girl. What girl? Well, certainly, the minute he says, what girl, the next scene is her saying, it's the motivator. (laughs) And that's what she is for him. She's the motivator. 
Yeah. I would love in what there is a 10 year age gap between them. So obviously when she was born, he was in and around 10 years old. I love the idea of Ben starting to get truly conflicted at that 10 year old stage where that's probably when Snoke really starts to feed the doubt in him. And he starts becoming truly, truly conflicted about certain things, his parents, his uncle, everything. And not that the force would, you know, the cosmic force, you know, stepping in, in the role of God in, the, in this instance, that the force would make mistakes because it doesn't, at least not in my mind in this in this fictional world, but... That it always knew that I need Ben Solo to help balance me out. But he can't do that alone. So now I need a young woman to help him do this. And then boom, there's Ray. Mm-hmm. It's... It's a beautiful thing to think about where someone's soul is crying out. And I'm wondering if Ben at that moment, his soul was crying out for something more. Mm -hmm. And the force answered with the birth of Ray. And then their souls are destined to find each other. And so they're both their souls are crying out for each other. And that's what these visions are. These visions are, the souls trying to reach each other. Mm-hmm. And she was the force's answer to a question he probably didn't even know he had. And I so think she that... becomes the motivator yeah. for, for him. And he still, you, you can grasp that. Like you, you said, he's, he's going to be hollow now. He's gotten all this power that he thought would make him happy. And, and after the events of The Last Jedi, I am sure he did shut her, the, tried to shut the thought of her out. And now he is the supreme leader and he has thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of men and women at his command. Mm-hmm. Yet he is more empty than he has ever been. It's because his soul is crying out for her. But now she also is shutting him out. It's probably why she's so angry towards him at the scenes they've seen well if you love me why are you sending your guys to kill me i mean it it's it's this humongous lover's quarrel on a, on the grandest scale they just have to calm down and, and work together yeah but they can't and they're they're each other's unresolved business we keep hearing this everything's desperate unresolved profound codependent adversarial intimate sometimes less intimate (laughs) they can't fight what the force has created which is two souls it's very twin flame it's very um you know whether you call it red thread or you know faded souls whatever you want to call it um their souls are that that the two halves of the protagonist that need to come together to unite and be one 
one entity. You cannot, that cannot happen platonically. Friendship is not enough. Mm -hmm. Friendship is profound in and of itself, and it's a wonderful thing. But that's not who Ben Solo is to her. That's what Finn is to her. Finn is that friendship that that it, she will treasure, and it certainly is a familial bond as well. But friendship is not enough for Raylo. This has to be romantic. This has to heal the mistakes of the past. Emrys, what are your what are your thoughts on you know this whole idea that these two characters through the Force are crying out to each other and this idea of you know becoming who you were always meant to be i think that's one idea that's brought up by kylo and i Mm -hmm. think that's why these characters are crying out to each other because they are both trying to become something more than they're already they already are and i even think of like a ryan this ryan johnson quote where he says star wars boils down to the transition from adolescence into adulthood that's the heart of these films and ray is most obviously the one that hangs on but it's also kylo and he says that they're two sides of something we can relate to kylo the anger of being in the turmoil of adolescence and figuring out who he's going to be as a man and probably from his perspective he thinks being a man means being supreme leader i'm the supreme right. leader Ooh, yeah manly and he deals with his anger and he wants to separate from his family but he's not vader he'll never be vader and that's why ray tells him you will never be as strong as darth vader that is his one fear because he thinks to be a man, he has to be as strong as Vader. And and you you guys also sent me this quote from Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi Commentary. He says, A hero's journey is not really about becoming a hero. If you look at it, I think it is really the transition from childhood to adulthood. It's about finding your place in this world. It's about finding who you are. You have these powers in you, and who's going to help you find the right way to use them? And that's really Ray's journey in all of this. So what are your thoughts on them? crying out to each other this what girl cry out to ray in a way i uh and there have been many speculations about this so we're not the first but one of my favorite quotes in the force awakens novel is ray hears this voice in her sleep of Mm -hmm. um i'll come back to you sweetheart i promise and um we are we find out in the last jedi that she she says well i said that to myself to help me fall asleep but I believe and think that according to this passage in The Force Awakens when she hears it in her force back vision um, it's something that she has heard in her sleep and and both Luthien and I have felt that it's been Solo calling out to her that perhaps through the world between worlds or through the force or whatever spiritual metaphysical means mm. He has seen this girl in her in his dreams. He knows her somehow. And that's again a very fairy tale sort of principle. Is I know you. I visit you once upon a dream. So he might not have actually seen her in the flesh, but he knows that there's this girl through the force. He knows that there's this girl that is essential to his story. Because that is a rather dramatic uh, expression of what girl, if 
<laughs> if it's just, you know, and, and in that forceback vision too, um, she, she hears that, you know, a man's voice calling, stay here. I'll come back for you, sweetheart. I promise. And so she starts running through the woods and it starts snowing. And who does she meet? She meets Kylo Ren in the woods so to me, I think there is strong evidence there that the voice that she was hearing in the woods was uh, Kylo Ren saying, I'll come back to you, sweetheart. She was seeing a vision of the past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is nothing new either. But sweetheart is one of those terms of endearments to a solo. We hear Holland say sweetheart to Leia <laughs> mm-hmm. all yeah. the time. And I, I really believe that there is that it's that similar language. So a lot of us Raylos are hoping that there will be a scene in the rise of Skywalker where he has to separate from Ray and he tells her, don't worry, I'll come back for you, sweetheart. I promise. So Ray realizes at that point that it's not just her saying that to herself, that is actually a voice from her future saying it to her through her dreams. That she is not alone in this, that there is someone that wants to protect her, love her, and is there for her. Her parents didn't come back, but Ben Solo will, because as Luthien said, he is Han Solo's son and a solo always comes back i think also a lot i hear a lot of comments about how um you know ray doesn't need a man well of course (laughs) none of us like have to have a partner to Mm -hmm. survive but it is part and a very important part of the human experience there's a reason why we seek out a relationship of intimacy. There's a reason that we have that pool. And neither Ray nor Kylo have sought out and say, okay, if I only find a prince or a princess, I'll be complete. This is not that sort of Disney princess story where the maid sets off to find the prince. So we're not teaching little girls that, you know, as long as you find your prince and your dreams will come. No, we're, we're teaching little girls that there's a time and place to shut the door and there's a time and place to open the door when that, that man um, actually proves to you that he is a good person and a mature person that is ready for a relationship and what an awesome and unique story to tell. I cannot remember (laughs) when I've seen something like that on the screen where we show girls, okay, it's time to shut the door. Okay. Now it's time to open it when that guy is pursuing you and he has shown you to be a reliable person that you can depend upon a person that will come back. Can you imagine if we get a scene where he comes back and he didn't say it's not the promise, but it's the promise fulfilled. So instead <gasps> yeah. she's, she's already heard. I'll come back for you, sweetheart in her dreams, but he comes back to her and he says, I came back, sweetheart, huh. or I'm here, sweetheart. Like, so it's I'll the die. promise fulfilled. <laughs> it's Anakin's promise to Padme fulfilled. Yeah. He, Anakin could not save Padme. But Ben saves Ray. Oh my gosh! Oh my it's gosh! It's the promise fulfilled, and I can I can feel it in my bones that, and I don't I don't give a shit if this is headcanon or not. I feel both of them 
can you just picture both of them at the height of their darkness as adolescents where he pictures he dreams of her and in the height of his darkness and in a nightmare and she is that beacon that luke described that beacon of light and she's saying ben ben i'll help you i'll help you and and she is this i feel it again the pull to the light the pull to the light of ray Mm -hmm. he's feeling pulled to her She's calling to him. And then in the height of her darkness, she hears this this voice, this male voice, which was specific. It's a male voice she hears. And she just wants someone to come back. And she doesn't hear two voices, meaning her parents. She hears one. I'll come back for you, sweetheart. I promise. And it's him. And and he's saying, I will come back for you. I will. I will. It's the promise that keeps her going, that keeps, she thinks it's her parents. It's not. It's all those tally marks are his promise every day. And promise that he'll come back. And finally, at the end of this film, those promises are fulfilled. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, you just made me Did think that? of something else too, is going back to the what girl line. If we're talking about Kylo hearing these sorts of voices in his head, again, that pull to the light when he talks to Vader, what if it is mm-hmm. Ray's voice deep within his mind? And that's why he says what girl, because like, I keep hearing this girl's voice, <laughs> you know? She hears a man's voice. He hears a girl's voice. Yeah. Or yeah. a woman's yeah. voice. Holy crap. Ben, Ben, hey. I'll help you. Ooh. Ben, Ben. What if he also hears help me? Because Mm -hmm. that would be the reverse of Padme and Anakin when when Anakin first had Vader's mask sealed to him. The last thing he says is Anakin is help me Padme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if he hears a whisper, you know, help me Ben, and then he answers back to her or help me and he answers back to her don't worry i'll come back for you sweetheart so again it's a full circle of her saying i will help you and and him saying you know i'll come back then she because like we as men and women in a relationship we should rescue each other in some way yes we are there it's a full circle relationship where you know one sometime uh the the uh, your partner is weak and then there are other times where mm-hmm. you are weak and so we are to carry each other of course that's idealistic but that's that's the goal that we we aspire to is to ha- be that that steady compassionate person that our partner can depend upon mm-hmm. i will love you through good times and bad through sickness and in health yeah, yeah. for richer or poorer it, it is the vow that their souls have made and they don't even realize it in the height of their their immaturity. They're not, they won't find that out until, I. it's why I want a scene where the audience can see what they have seen when they touched hands. And I also want scenes of them f- seeing more of the past, seeing more of the future, what yeah. could be. And... And I would love it, love it if their visions of I'll come back for your sweetheart and what girl and the motivator and this and that, it all comes swirling to this point where they they finally understand and that's the moment where they come together and kiss, where it is finally that it all culminates into that moment where I love you. You love me. I love you. And 
it's just this. Just kiss. <laughs> just kiss already. It has to. It has to feel. It has to feel like a payoff. It has to have that ginormous emotional heavy weight behind it because, and it's a release. It is, oh my god, oh my god, and and you see that in Pride and Prejudice where Elizabeth is talking to her father, and. And this is the 2005 version where she just starts kind of laughing. It's like, we were so blind. We were so blind. And she's she's laughing because it's it's almost comical how it was right in front of her face the whole entire time. Here's when she meets Prince Char- Charming, but she won't discover it's him till chapter three. Chapter three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. And I feel that that moment in the trailer where you hear Leia saying, or Luke says the force will be with you. And she says always in, in that moment, Ray has this look on her, her face. And I think that's the moment Ben does come back. Yeah. The I moment, too. Me too. the moment Ben, she sees Ben solo. It's not Kylo Ren standing in front of her. It is Ben solo standing there and he's willing to fight with her and for her. Yeah. And her mm-hmm. facial expression is exactly like it was when they did the finger touching scene, yes. that wide eyed, yep. tender, teary yep. eyes where she saw whatever she saw in that finger touching scene and how much I, I so hope that JJ gives us a hint of the visuals that each other saw. Yes. That it's that same expression she has. She's like, oh, he did turn. He did turn. Yes. And oh, I can't wait. But keeping that same dark side passion the things that anakin spoke of to take the good from the light to take the good from the dark and meld them together where it is just the force Mm -hmm. there isn't a side of the force there isn't a light side of the force or the dark side of the force there is only the force Mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't matter how it speaks to you it only matters that it's there yeah you know Mm-hmm. You bring up the uh, the hand touch scene, the look on on Ray's face, and I, I definitely that's something I want to discuss here, and, and the importance of of that scene. why i think for me like every time i watch that scene i'm just like chills <laughs> yeah like it's yeah. so intimate and this is where i kind of scratch my head at people who don't see Raylo or don't think there's any sort of romantic tension and i've heard people say like those literal words on 
some like podcasts and stuff like there is no romantic chemistry whatsoever i'm like i don't know about you but i don't touch hands like that with anybody like i don't go up to my mom and be like hey mom you want to touch my hand really slowly and then we'll gaze into each other's and eyes gasp. for five minutes and i'll cry yeah that's like my monday morning let's do it no no i mean i legit that. have had a conversation with my sister where i said I'm not feeling your leg because you would, or like I'm not smelling your hand because you wouldn't feel how soft my leg is. I've had that conversation, but it's not the same thing. <laughs> and, and in the novel, where she's like, it, it brings her comfort that yes. she finds him there, and he's so close and so present. It's like she could reach out and touch him, and touch his touch his arm, touch his hand, touch his face, touch and then touch hair. his hair. You don't use that sort of language when you're talking about a sibling or a cousin. I mean, it's just... Uh, and Jason Fry Look worked... Look at the symbolism swirling around that scene. Look at the moment where Anakin professed his love to Padme. Similar setting. There was a roaring fire. It wasn't a, a pauperish type of setting like the hut. It was an extravagant, lavish estate. But look at the juxtaposition. Anakin was professing his love for Padme. She was closed off. She was like, you're making me uncomfortable. And yeah, she was probably hiding her feelings. This isn't right. Blah, 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 blah. But she was uncomfortable. She literally said, you're making me uncomfortable. But you have this romantic firelight and the way they're dressed and blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't their time then. Look at what she's wearing. She's wearing a black dress. And I think that's really... Because if you think of a romantic scene, you would wear something um, a little bit less austere. I mean, it's it's revealing, but it's 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 black it's in straight lines there's not really a lot of um and not a lot of flowing romance there and everything is really really dark it's almost like at that point padme died <laughs> to me like what her what she was saying her voice what she wanted pretty much died at that point where it's like the touch between ray and ben that was like an E.T. moment where they touched fingertips <laughs> and both of them woke up and Ben Solo sprang back to life. I mean, look at his hair. It was all damp right. and, and um, stringy. And then as soon as he sees Ray, he's all freshly groomed and coming out of the mist. <laughs> but look at, look at that, too. Yeah. They didn't need any extravagance. They're in no. a hut right. with a little fire and barely anything to sit on. And that's all they needed. It was just them. With Anakin and Padme, it was a lush, you know, castle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this and the and the ambience was supposed to be right and the lighting and the mood, but none of it was was right because it wasn't time. Yeah. I just felt I you look at those scenes now and it's all it's all so par paralleled. 
Um, she's literally wearing almost a harness around her neck. Right? And, yeah, you know, she's it's trapped. Just like, you know. mm-hmm. she is, she's trapped. Yes. Yeah, and you look at her her nonverbal communication. That's why I really can't feel the romance of, in, in that scene is because her body language is saying, I'm really uncomfortable with this yep. situation right now. Um, and, and you do see her as they progress in their relationship. Padme Amidala disappears and becomes smaller and smaller and smaller in that relationship and the importance of that relationship where you don't really know her as a person except she's a senator uh she's for the republic and uh she's she's anakin skywalker's wife we really don't get to hear her um full expression to anakin of who she is as a person yeah, which is why I laugh too when I hear people say Kylo and Ray's relationship is toxic. I'm like, Anakin yeah. and Padme's was toxic. And again, that's why <laughs> the galaxy is the way it is. It's built on this toxic relationship. I mean, it's very, there's so many moments that feel very just non consensual. And it sometimes it makes me yes. feel very uncomfortable watching it, frankly. And that's what I love about Ray and Kylo's relationship. They're sitting there in the hut, staring into each other's eyes. You're not alone. Neither are you. It's the. This generation, yeah. this sequel trilogy's version of I love you, I know. And mm-hmm. it's all very there and real. And it's such a big ju- juxtaposition, too, to their earlier encounter in The Force Awakens where he literally freezes her and traps her, just like probably Padme felt trapped all those yes. years ago. And yeah. I think of that parallel and literally kidnapping her away in a bridal carry, whisking her away from her found family to a new life that he's going to give her you know she's very strong in the force i'm going to teach her the ways of the force you know i'll show you that's how he thinks it's all going to go and it doesn't go the way he plans and that's maybe what would have happened with anakin but now it's going differently we're getting that reverse on adala here where ray is going to discover her own journey and stay true to herself and that part of her is not going to go away like it did in padme it's you know it's not going to get covered up and that's why that moment between them in the hut is so real they're both there. They're exposing themselves to each other. I think like Ray, like literally her shoulder is like her bare shoulder is showing, you know, Kylo earlier in a couple of scenes was literally bare chested to her. I mean, they're yes. literally undressing each other gradually throughout this movie. And he even removes his glove off of his hand, you know, showing his true self within within him and exposing who he truly is. You know, he wants to hide the name Ben Solo, but he he knows it won't last long, especially with this girl that he feels a pull to. Ryan Johnson talked about this at a panel one time, and he said, the ultimate expression of that is focusing the shot even tighter when there's contact. To me, one of my favorite shots of the movie is those two fingers touching. It's the closest Mm -hmm. thing we'll ever get to a sex scene in a Star Wars movie. And it's so true. I mean, the moment those fingers touch and they see each other each other's futures or the versions that they want to see at least and you hear the force theme play and i think too when he sees you know you'll be the one to turn i think he's seeing dark ray and for her she's seeing his redemption you know so they're both seeing the versions that they want to see they just don't have the entire context around it exactly you know he's gonna see dark ray and 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 i don't i think we're all right where dark ray is a vision yes well it's a vision all right like it was his vision in the hut scene but it actually comes to pass and he realizes oh my god 
I don't want this. Yep. This is horrible. I can't, she can't be this way. And I'm wondering if that happens halfway through the film where she turns and then he has to save her. And, and I know that poses a lot of problems like, well, why does she have to become dark? Why does she need saving? And now you have this hero moment where he's got to save her. Well, she already went to the bowels of hell to save him. So now it's his turn where not only does he have to save her, but he's got to save the entire, and it, it's Revan and Bastila. Bastila turned dark and how, how did, well, I mean, she was manipulated, but which Ray could possibly be manipulated, obviously, into becoming dark if it's not a vision. Well, Revan had to go and literally profess his love to her in order to bring her back. Mm-hmm. This is Knights of the Old Republic. And yes, I just completely, totally like summed that up. <laughs> but generally, or generalized, Revan had to profess his love to Bastila in order to like snap her out of it. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to the narrative. She went, she went, she saved him. That was her story in The Last Jedi. She died for him to to bring him back. And now he has to do the same for her. They can't live with, one cannot live without the other. Right. That's another thing. People are like, oh, well, I think Ray is going to die. Well, how is that happy? Like, right. Her, like, what does that how tell is us? that even getting her belonging? Yeah, yeah what does that tell the, what's us? What's the message there? <laughs> she already did in The Last Jedi, metaphorically, symbolically, she died. So, like, how is her actually dying in Tross going to heal anything? It's not. Right. But how is Ben doing that going to die? Like, how is Ben dying, even though if he gets redeemed, how is that going to heal anything? The one cannot live without the other. If their souls are meant to be, then one cannot live without the other. And now, what? like, if she is a healing Jedi... And their souls are actually entwined and it's becoming more powerful. Like if all these things of them fighting, um, whether they're really together or not, like they could, the force is pushing them together. So it is becoming even more powerful. Like this is, this is a dam ready to burst. Like the force is like, come on, (laughs) I want you together. Let's do this. And it is about to bust open. Yeah. Then this is so powerful. They can't control it anymore. Like they can't control this. It's becoming like FaceTime. Like boom, it's not even a tingle. Like all of a sudden she turns and she practically bumps into him. <laughs> He's freaking there. So this this all powerful cosmic force is like, come on, guys. Yeah. Two tidal waves just crashing into each other. This is, this is, it's just pure insanity. And you're making me think too of of just this the force being like, come on guys, just do it. You know, I think yeah. of the the elevator scene. The force is Barbosa. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> the <laughs> elevator scene in the last Jedi novelization, she she says she watched the emotions chase themselves across his face, echoed by jitters and spikes in the force. I love that. Jitters and spikes I in the force. You. The force is literally shaking. It's like, come on, guys. Come on. You're so close. You're getting so close. Just kiss. Just kiss. Feel it. And yeah. it says anger, confusion, pain, loneliness, longing, sorrow. 
those are all the emotions these two characters are feeling and it's why they are so intertwined and it's why the force is jittering and spiking because it's saying you guys are the same person you are meant to come together and what would be so wrong about ben going to save her right that's his that's his hero moment i'm gonna you know what she saved me she saved me Ray, you saved me. Now I'm going to save you. And he goes to get her. And then he tells her he loves her. And that knocks her out of it. It's like, oh, my God, he loves me. I'm loved. Like, someone loves me. Right. And then they just completely annihilate the rest of the Sith. <laughs> I mean, love, love literally saves everything. Yeah. How yeah. can you not sit there and just gobble that up like candy? It just... It's so good. I just imagine Palpatine sitting on his throne and he's like, everything's going according to plan. And then Kylo's like, I love you. And then Palpatine's like, wait, what? And Ray's like, I love you too. He's like, wait, what? And then they kiss. He's like, oh shit. And then they just both turn towards him and just completely fuck him up. Like, that's it, boy. You're just, you're done. (laughs) Enough. (laughs) Enough of the games, Sheev. He's like, I did not account for this. But yeah, I. He turns into a Dalek. (laughs) (laughs) These two characters, though. (laughs) He's like, uh, he's flipping through his book. He's like, "Uh, no, I've already done Order 66. Uh, What other orders are in here? Uh, Order 70. Nope, I can't do that one yet. (laughs) Yep. That for us does kind of remind you of Palpatine now that I'm thinking of it. Sorry, I'm going on a Hoovian, a Hoovian tangent. I'm coming back, I promise. <laughs> Irrelevant. You will not prevail. You will not succeed. I've been at the heart of your empire for 42 minutes, and I own it, and I haven't even got out of my chair. Ask me what I want. Just in terms of, like, let's talk a little bit about the endgame of, of Raylo to, to start to wrap up the discussion here, but, you know, we've talked about what girl this idea that for so long their fates have been intertwined with each other it's why it inevitably led to the kidnapping on takodana and the interrogation scene and being in the forest together and the 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 world splitting them apart saying you two are not ready so that's step one step two is okay the forest said you two are not ready now you're ready now we're going to keep linking you two together until you eventually meet and in the layer of Snoke, you know, your prisoner Ray and Kylo's leading you to your what could be a your inevitable doom, but ultimately he's gonna he's gonna make that that slight turn and, and save you because he loves you. And you get the hand touch and you get the elevator and all this. So now looking at the end game of Raylo. So we hear Palpatine saying your coming together is gonna be your undoing. And I think this is funny because I don't know why he's saying that coming together has always been his undoing. The coming together of Mm -hmm. Luke and and Vader was his undoing. And I think, again, it's going to be a joke. That's why I joked about him being like, what? When he hears them profess their love to each other, because he's going to be like, oh, shit, I was wrong. And (laughs) like, he's always underestimated the force, though. Right. That's his biggest flaw. Yeah. So, I mean, what what do these two characters need to do to resolve the galaxy's conflict? You know, what do they have to teach each other? Why are they stronger, united, rather than divided? And I think of a 
line from Resistance Reborn where Leia acknowledges that Rey is so close to something, she's almost there. But it's not going to be her. It's not going to be Luke. It's going to be someone else that gets her there. And that is like the most obvious hint of Kylo Ren being the person, Ben Solo being the person to elevate her to a new level of force wisdom or force nirvana. Something has to give where there is a new meaning to the force and the context of this of this romantic relationship i think uh, a big theme of this sequel trilogy is unity and collaboration that's why the last jedi ended in so much failure is that men and women for the most part were not working together and then you have the biggest most triumphant moment was ray and been working together and they they were able by doing that they were able to um accomplish the impossible <laughs> they are able to kill snoke and the yeah. Praetorian guards um where then you had Hodo, holdo and poe fighting and you had sometimes rose and finn polarizing together where you know rose is trying to teach finn about the shadow of of the first order and things are not as um glossy and pure as they seem there's there's pain and suffering that is paying for this lavish lifestyle so you have this push and pull i think um, the rise of skywalker and even jj abrams talked about it everyone is coming together to uh, accomplish that one goal of defeating Sidious once and for all. So although he thinks that, you know, you come together just as my, you know, part of my plan and that's, that's actually going to be his undoing is because finally all these planets, all these people, all these aliens and humans and races and species of, of this, this massive galaxy are going to be like, no. And, they're going to be represented by these two people, um, Kylo or Ben Solo and Ray. that these two people coming together who are going to be the personification of the force and the forces will, the force in balance are going to finally defeat the man who actually wants to kill all of life and wants to kill the balance, wants to kill the force. I think that's something that as I've been reading about, the Sith and exploring some of legends is that a lot of these dark side users literally hate the force and wanting to control it and wanting to manipulate it. They um, start really hating what they're controlling, hating what they're manipulating. Why? Because that dark side actually kills them slowly, but surely. Palpatine even calls the force dogmatic, I think, right? Doesn't he? In Revenge of the Sith, you know? Yes, yes. So I think, um, and I think the will of the force is love. You know, I, I really, he's a father in, in the Mortis gods. He is a representation of the father. So getting the light in the dark to actually meet in the very middle, which is the will of the force, where they actually become the personification of the father. That's when their love will defeat the very definition of evil, which is Sidious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you look at a tale, too, like Lord of the Rings, got to bring it up with you guys on here on the show, <laughs> or a Harry yes. Potter, I mean, ultimately, what's the thing that wins out the day? And these are going to be these are going to be spoilers for these stories. So if you haven't seen these, one, why? Two, go yeah. do it right now. Three, turn this off and then come back once you watch. It's your fault. It's your <laughs> fault. <laughs> you didn't do your homework. <laughs> 
when they feel like all hope is lost in the return of the king, what does Aragorn say in the face of looking Sauron in the eye, literally? That's friendship, yes. that's love. Then, in Order of the Phoenix, you know, why, when Harry's being possessed, is he able to vanquish Voldemort out of his body in the Ministry of Magic? You're the weak one, and you'll never know love or friendship. And I feel sorry for you. Is because he tells Voldemort, you're alone. You'll always be alone. You've never experienced oh. love. You've never known love. And that is why you'll lose. And Voldemort tells him, you're going to lose everything, Harry Potter. And he doesn't. He wins the day because he's got yeah. his friends by his side to help him. He's got Neville to help him, you know, defeat one of the Horcruxes. He's got, and Ron even defeats one of those Horcruxes with him. It's It takes unity. It takes friendship. These are what these stories always tell us. They never right. tell us that you're stronger when you've, when you're apart. So that's why I'm like, why would the story of the Skywalker saga not be a coming together to defeat a greater evil? Because Harry yeah. could not have done anything he did throughout that entire series without Ron and Hermione. Right. And then, you know, subsequently Ginny and, and even uh, Snape uh, and Dumbledore, even though you could say Dumbledore was certainly manipulative in, <sighs> in aspects. But the core unit being Ron and Hermione, he could not have done that without them. And he even states that. Um, I can't remember if he does in the movie, but he does in the book. He's like, I could like, I was, I am nothing without you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so true. And of course, Voldemort uses that to his advantage and, and manipulates that and, um, you know, tries to pit them against each other. But Sidious would do the same thing trying to pit that love against like your coming together will be your undoing. Yeah. That's Voldemort telling Harry, you don't need your friends. They're not your friends. You know? And I also think Sidious too is like, here's another Skywalker that clearly is in love. I'm just going to do the same thing I did right? to Anakin. And what he's not going to realize is again, he's got that solo heart. That's what is different. Th I really do think mm -hmm. that is the essence of Kylo Ren. That's why he's so different than any of our Skywalkers that have come before. The rise of Skywalker. Why do you think this Skywalker in particular can rise? Is because he's got that heart of gold, that heart that no matter how much he wants to be the bad guy, he's always going to end up being the good guy. That's why Solo, A Star Wars Story, matters. And you have this uh, Snoke, and, and you know, we pretty much think that Snoke is Sidious and they're one and the same. And you, I, I wish they kept this law, this line in the novelization where um, Snoke is basically baiting Kylo of why he didn't get this information from this girl. And he goes, oh, it's because you have compassion for this girl. 
And Kylo denies it, but Snoke knows it's true. You have compassion, and that's the heart of a solo, is is one of, of compassion. And Snoke goes on to say, you know, it's compassion that kept Vader from fulfilling his destiny. It was compassion for Luke. So this is your weakness. This is the main thing that you have to get rid of. And no matter what Ben does, he can't get rid of that heart of compassion. And I think at the end, it's going to be a heart of compassion for Ray. But as we've discussed, I think it's also going to be a heart of compassion for the whole galaxy. I think his eyes are going to be open that his mother's people were actually his people all along. And he is going to want to save Ray, but he's also going to save his mother's legacy and save her people. It's so sad, too, because looking at the death of Han Solo, you realize it was a necessary sacrifice. Yeah. And I'm going to an Adam Driver quote on this Tross press tour where he says he had all these pseudo father figures that he had to either live up to or literally kill to become his own person for the first time. And I think he's again, he's experiencing this this transition from adolescence to adulthood and and he's finding who he truly is. And there are have been some casualties along the way. And sure, it's some things that can't be forgotten and won't be forgiven in some ways but it was like a, a necessary they're all necessary sacrifices and it's going to get him to where he needs to be and it sucks to say that and i wish han solo didn't have to you know die but he went out there knowing full well what was going to happen and i think that's why he knew he needed to do what he did Harrison ford wasn't going to return anyway so i think yeah. that's one of the reasons too is yeah. that he died. Do you yeah. think, Brad, that Harrison Ford is going to make a cameo in The Rise of Skywalker? All right. So hear me out. I don't know if I told okay. you to this. My dream, my dream is for Ben Solo to sit behind the Falcon, get in that pilot's chair, and then we're going to see him, see out the cockpit, go back to Ben, but he's going to be a little kid. And that suit, and then Han Solo is going to be behind him saying, like, you got the son or something like that, or come on, hold oh it together, gosh. or something like that. One of his, yeah. like, classic solo Can you imagine if that's Alden? I would love it if it was Alden. Right. It's going to go back out the cockpit, turn back, and then it's going to be Ben Solo grown up all again. So he's going to be, like, he's oh. sitting in that seat remembering Han, teaching him how to ride the Falcon for the first time. Here you go, kid. We're in empty space. Try it out. You know, like, something like that. I think it would be a great callback to get yeah. you know, shoehorn Han Solo into the movie somehow and then also yes. like give extra emotional weight to acknowledge you know he killed his dad but he's not forgotten his dad you know I think there's got to be some sort of acknowledgement that he realizes he he kind of messed up and he shouldn't have done that but also at the same time he kind of needed to it's like a very like double-edged sword you know it's it's sad right it's tragic I mean you know, Luke Skywalker could never kill his father and one line I think is very interesting from Return of the Jedi is when Luke says, you know, I can't kill my own father. And Obi-Wan tells him, well, then the Emperor has already won. <gasps> Why say that, you know? So this time mm -hmm. around, Ben Solo was able to kill his father. So now the Emperor won't win from that point of view, from that thinking, you know? So I think there's something kind of weirdly implied in that statement from Obi-Wan by saying the Emperor is won if you can't kill your dad. Who's the only person that's ever killed their dad in Star Wars? It's Ben Solo. So, yeah. Oh, that's how I hope. What do you guys do? You want him in the movie? Do you want Han Solo in there somehow? Yes, I do. And I think we're going to get it. I told Luthien the other day what I would really love is 
I, I do want a death scene with Leia. I know that's that's going to be horrible and, and tragic to watch, but I wonder if it would bring some clo- closure. And I don't think you would actually have to show her face in it. I think it would be beautiful if we like almost see it from her perspective of being in bed. And as she, you know, starts closing her eyes, you look up and you see Luke and Anakin and Padme and Han as mm. force ghosts ready to take her into that full manifestation as being one in the force. And I would love that, especially if Han like reaches out his hand and yeah. takes, his, takes his wife in that, that instance. But I also can see if they use the world between worlds, which that's another sort of uh, trail we can go on but if they use the world between worlds it'd be yeah. it would be really interesting if if that could be a way that ben could actually talk to han or see um how much han loved his son he was just a very scared man han didn't reject ben han w- rejected himself as a father basically i think that needs to be the a talk with both his parents is key. Ray can only do so much to hear. Uh, and Luke went to Crate, obviously, to help the resistance, but he went to apologize in the flesh. Well, not in the flesh, but like he was living. He went to apologize to his nephew. I'm sorry for the part I played in this. I'm sorry for what I did to you in a split second. I'm sorry for what I did to you. And that whole scene was about atonement. And he let his nephew get out his anger. And yes, his nephew tried to kill him, quote unquote. But (laughs) Luke did what Luke Skywalker was always meant to do. He apologized and let his nephew work it out. The parents need to do that. Mm-hmm. I would love a scene where we have both Han and Leia standing there together as manifestations in the Force, being able to communicate with their son what they couldn't communicate while they were living. Ben, we are sorry but we love you and we forgive you. And I would love that, that act to be the, the icing on the cake of his turning. Yep. And I wouldn't say turning. I would say coming back. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Great phrasing. I think I, I'm hoping yeah. for that return to the King type ending where we get many moments yes. to kind of wrap up the yes. story and maybe that, Frodo in the bed type of feel with Leia, like you're saying, with all of her family there watching. Um, I think that would be a very poetic ending for her arc. And um, yeah, I do think that he does need to atone with his parents because everybody's been apologizing to him at this point. But now mm-hmm. he needs to be the one to apologize. And I think he'll apologize to Ray and also apologize to, to uh, his parents in some fashion if he can. But they've said is sorry enough. Mm-hmm. Like is saying it enough. Yeah, is an apology you ever have enough. To prove it. 
Right. You have to prove it in your actions. Yes. And I think he'll he will he will prove it in his in his actions. Yeah. It would completely bastardize the narrative if he didn't. Yeah. If he were just not to learn from anything and or if he died after his redemption. Yeah. Come on. How does that solve anything? It doesn't. It does not. Your son. He's gone. He was weak and foolish like his father. So I destroyed him. That's what Snoke wants you to believe. But it's not true. My son is alive. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. Snoke is using you for your power. When he gets what he wants, he'll crush you. You know it's true. It's too late. No, it's not. Leave here with me. Come home. We miss you. We're having a really great conversation. I am. My mind's going through so many possibilities and it was very clear to you i think we're all for those of you listening we're we're, we're all here raylos and bendemptionists <laughs> mm-hmm, i think those yes. two ideas go hand in hand that's why i think one cannot happen without the other they both have to happen Correct. and that's why exactly. you know our Raylo focused conversation is now kind of turning the bendemption because again it's it's not a mutually exclusive they're not mutually exclusive mm, events correct you know? they have to mm-hmm. happen together one thing I want to talk about real quick before we go into our, our Q&A segment here is balance. For me, balance, you know, we've always heard darkness rises and light to meet it. And if we're under the impression that Kylo turned and Rey was brought into the world to balance out, the force allowed her to be born so that she could help Ben get to his point and then she could help her also. And they're, they're, it's like a, um, it's a coexistence between the two of them, the yin and the yang. I think they got to come together. They're going to bring balance to the force. And I think balance has to happen with Ben living. Like we're saying, you know, it has, he has to live. If he dies, I don't see the point in that. But, and I think that's why the force did what it did after Vader. Cause Vader died. And now you, you lacked that pure redemption, that pure balance. Cause it's almost like he just like went out and that was it. And then that light got snuffed out. And there was only darkness left over. And the darkness took a hold of Ben. And that's why it rose again. And that's why light came in. So what does balance look like from your your two perspective? You know, like what what is the meaning of, of balance moving forward in the force? That was interesting you you just said that, Brad. It I wonder what the force would look like if Anakin were to live. Mm-hmm. Because Luke was that pureness in the light. Right. You know, the naivety, the very much like Ray um, stomping into the to the Death Star trying to save his pappy. I mean, you know, and looking at the emperor and a little smug, like really underestimated my family. Well, Ray does the same thing. You underestimate Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo and me. Love and it. And she didn't say Kylo Ren. She said Ben Solo. You underestimate Skywalker and Ben Solo and me. It will be your downfall. And 
what would the world look like? What would the galaxy look like if Anakin would have lived and would have been able to heal the wounds of his family with his son? Would the force have balanced then? And obviously, again, this is this is a trickle-down effect, a cycle of, you know, what happens after this event happens and this, 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 this. But I, that's really interesting to think about in terms of Star Wars universe. What if? What if Anakin survived after Luke saved him? Would they have been able to balance as father and son? Mm-hmm. But as far as balance now, you also talked about darkness rises and the light to meet it. What does that mean? Meeting together the same equal but that doesn't mean that that power isn't at its height at its peak at its pinnacle the apex of where it needs to be kylo is a very powerful being we saw that in the comics where he destroys the zillow beast something that even his grandfather wasn't able to achieve yeah Great story. And he did it. And he did it pretty confidently. Like, he knew all along, like, that's what I have to do. He's seen, like, eight steps ahead. I'm like, I, spoilers, I gotta go through that thing's mouth and rip myself open from the inside. <laughs> I, I mean, and he did it just so, like, matter of fact, steer me over there. <laughs> and flies into it. So now we're seeing him fly into it, just like Ray is flying into Finn's hands in the TV spot. Sorry, more spoilers. But you're doing things with the force that you didn't even think were possible through the fo- with the force. It's practically superhero status. But his power is rising. Her power is rising. Them coming together at the pinnacle and the apex of where they can't even go higher by themselves anymore. That's where they meet. That That is where they come together. So it is this... I feel them fully coming together and being unified. And I told M this probably months and months ago. When it happens, it is going to be this cosmic boom. And and not like it it sh- it shakes the foundations of the galaxy. It could be that way. It could be that profound and significant. But it could be like the hut scene where it doesn't outwardly shake the galaxy, but it, it sends the ASMR shiver through every person's body in the audience. <laughs> and possibly even on screen where it's just like internal shake. Like, boom. Yeah. Almost like when Haldo rams the ship <laughs> into light speed <laughs> yep. through the supremacy. And it's that vacuum of silence. And yes. then you get the sound. Mm-hmm. I feel like that Raylo coming together and forming that unity and that that joining is going to do the same thing. Yeah. Emrys, what are your thoughts on, on the idea of, of balance? I see, and we talked about this on a, one of our earliest podcasts, I see the force as a pendulum movement of extremes and then the, the, the center, the midpoint. 
to me, I think what they're going to be talking about is that there is light and darkness in, in every one of us, like as the individual. We have light side and we have dark side in us, but it's up to us to meet that balance. And I think um, to me, the, the biggest teaching I received or or understanding of the dark side, light side idea of the balance is in the Clone Wars when Yoda wars with his own shadow. Yes. And that is um, Joseph Campbell, who inspired Lucas to to write Star Wars. Uh, he he uh, Joseph Campbell was very um, interested in Carl Jung's psychology. Yep. And Carl Jung came up with the archetype of the shadow. So Yoda meets his own shadow, meets his own darkness. And it was only when Yoda recognizes that, oh my goodness, I have the shadow too. I have a dark side. Even me, Master Jedi, I have a shadow. Um is he able to control his shadow? So the whole episode is to acknowledge your shadow, but lean towards the light, meaning you you accept that you have a dark side. You ha- you accept that you, as Yoda, Jedi Master, can even do um, bad things in this world because we all have that capability, but we all have to lean towards the light. And for the universe to be balanced, I think that has to be a responsibility of each individual is, okay, I am, as a person, I have capability of being, uh, doing evil things, but I have to lean towards the light. I have to make that, that understanding. And I think Jason Hamilton wrote a really beautiful article analyzing this on the Star Wars official website, where he talks about because Anakin became Vader because he allowed the shadow to consume him, eat Anakin up. With Luke, Luke was able to recognize the shadow in his father and the shadow in himself. That was the cave scene. He was like, oh, I and my father, we are the same person and I too have a Vader inside me and I too have a shadow. But instead of having the shadow consume Luke, Luke ate his own shadow by acknowledging the darkness that is within him. So I think that's what Kylo or I mean Ray and Ben are going to have to acknowledge is there is a war within all of us, but we eat our shadow. We don't let the shadow eat us or we become sidious and we lose all sense of um, of conscience of what is good and right. Mm-hmm. Going back to the question of what would have happened if Anakin had survived, I think the reason the Force did go unbalanced is because of what you're saying, Emrys, is is the unacknowledgement of our dark sides. If Anakin had yeah. lived, you would have had a character in the universe who had been redeemed and now lives the rest of his life acknowledging his mistakes and his dark right. side to make sure the past doesn't get repeated. What happens instead? You have Leia cover up the fact that Darth Vader is her father, which allows the First Order to rise, which allows darkness to seep into the mind of her son. Luke covers it up. Everybody covers up the sins of the past. Kylo Ren grows up thinking you have to kill the past. You have to let it die to become who you truly are. It's actually the complete opposite. For him to become who he truly is is meant to be and to balance the Force, he's going to actually have to face his past, his mistakes, and move on from them and be better moving forward. So I think the force goes beyond just, again, like the simple light and the simple dark joining together. It's also, again, that acknowledgement of the past. The force is telling you, you can't forget these things. If you do, 
Force is going to have some divine intervention and cause this whole Star War to happen all over again. From a scientific standpoint, a body at rest stays at rest and a body in motion stays in motion. The pendulum is meant to move. It's meant to shift. The pendulum actually regulates the movement of time. And I feel that that is very important for balance. I know when I, when you asked me the question, Brad, I spoke of balance very literally. But Emra's speaking of a pendulum swinging. If the pendulum were to stop in the middle, technically, you know, people think middle being the, the point of, of equidistance. But is it balanced? No, because then time would not be regulated. So Ben and Ray need to not only learn how to swing this pendulum in themselves, they need to swing the pendulum in the relationship like equally. Um, And that can get very scientific, but it will regulate the whole entire, their relationship will regulate the whole entire galaxy. It will regulate the whole entire force, force being force acting as time. They need to regulate the force. They are the pendulum, both of them together. Goes back to Mortis. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, they, those two had to be, uh, be alive to keep the balance at peace. Yep. I think these are all very excellent points on the idea of, of balance. And I think to, to close up here, I think we will answer a couple of Twitter questions that we got that are, are pretty fun. So we have our first question from Benjamin Ackers at Chintzy Beatnik. And he asks, if you could change one moment between Ray and Kylo in either movie so far, what would it be and why? I don't know. I feel like there's so much goodness in this relationship i can't think of anything off the top of my head that i would i would change can i can i say something that was in the novel but wasn't yeah. in the movie mm-hmm. um in the interrogation scene uh kylo ren takes every strap and binding off of her during the interrogation scene i would have really loved to see that moment in the movie where we actually see him do that because i wonder if um and wonder if some of the confusion that people yes. gained through that would, would be clarified that this Kylo was never trying to hurt her in any shape or form. I also wish Abrams had not cut the line when he held her over the precipice. I'm not trying to kill you. Yes. <laughs> of course, like, you know, we understand that because if he really wanted to kill her, all he had to do he was shove her off the cliff with her eyes closed. I mean, she gave him great, uh, <laughs> great, uh, you know, way of killing her right there. But um, part of me wonders if like some of that, um, some of that toxicity would just kind of be uh, scaled down a little bit of, of Kylo was never trying to, to hurt her. He was just a very dysfunctional, toxic person in those moments. And so he was making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. It's a great example. Luthien, did you have a, did you have something that you might change between, between Ray and Kylo? No, that, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
JJ loves to keep a good mystery going. I think that was the detriment to the interrogation scene where you did not see that moment where he, you know, loosened and took off the restraints that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been important. Not, not only like what Emerus said, but that he wasn't afraid of her, mm-hmm. obviously in that moment. Why would he have reason to be, but that he didn't want to hurt her. And yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't about, um, certainly in that moment, at least that moment for, for me, uh, I got all the signs of the forest and this, that, and the other thing. And especially when he bridal carried her and hearing the music, I'm like, wait, that was just Romeo and Juliet music. Like what? <laughs> John Williams, what are you doing, you maestro? What are you doing there? Uh, I heard that right away. But definitely in the interrogation scene, and he takes the mask off. Um, I was like, holy cow. Like, they're doing this. Like, this is, like, there's yeah. so much tension there. There's so much chemistry and so much tension. Um, but definitely, like Emma em stated, reading in the novelization that he removed her bonds. I'm just... I wish they would have would have done that. That certainly would have, I think, aided in in showing that he wasn't mm-hmm. trying to harm her in any way. And yeah. the the statement of "I don't want to do this, but you gave me no choice." Yes, <laughs> like, that yes. that would yes. have been nice too. I mean, yeah. he could have still remained a villain, but people wouldn't. It think. certainly would have confused her even yeah. more. Yep. It even would have aided in her frustration, right? Uh, and and rightly rightly so i think it yeah he's been too even though they've they've stated it's all in front of everyone from the very beginning like is it because there are some people who need a little help jj yeah yeah <laughs> a little bit <laughs> i think that's that would be a great change um i have to read mm-hmm. the novelization for force awaken still so i'm actually really looking forward to that part i didn't know that was a that was in the book there. And yeah. our last question is from bisexual disaster, <laughs> hashtag where's Rose Wren, and they're at Jakku Gerblin. That's a great handle. <laughs> they want to know, you've probably already gotten some of these, but one, if you ship it, when did you start and why do you think that is? Two, if you only shipped it post TLJ, did it change how you view TFA on subsequent viewings? That's a good question. Those are two good questions. I can speak for both Emerson and myself when I say that we shipped it in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was the scenes that I just mentioned where you see it, it really happened at what girl? At least for me, sitting in the theater and she goes, it's the motivator. Like, I just always had this inkling that, well, she's going to have this this moment you know where they they come together and when he took his mask off i'm thinking oh my god he just took his mask off for her and all this symbolism and metaphor like running through my brain and light speed and and just (sighs) the way you see him interrogate poe it's so harsh 
He's trying, he's on purpose hurting him. And then with Ray, as gentle as a mind probe can be possibly be, that's what he was doing to her. He wasn't trying to hurt her. So I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, he has compassion for her. And then it stated he has compassion for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He literally says, you're my it, guest. <laughs> correct. <laughs> he said, you're my guest. And I was like, wait a second. Funniest line ever. <laughs> it wasn't like, just, you're my guest. It was, you're my guest. <laughs> <laughs> you're my guest. Be I, our <laughs> guest. Be our yeah. guest. <laughs> Where am I? You're my guest. Where are the others? You mean the murderers, traitors, and thieves you call friends? You'll be relieved to hear I have no idea. You still want to kill me? That happens when you're being hunted by a creature in a mask. It was just laid bare in front of me. I just, I just knew. Like, there... And, again... I wasn't on the interwebs. Like, I was in my own little Lord of the Rings la-la land. (laughs) Like, not even knowing what Raylo was. But I shipped it. I'm like, these two are getting together. And then the duel in the forest where Uh it was just the back and forth. And he could have totally killed her and he didn't. And, you know, she runs away. Um, and he just has this look when she ca- has her Excalibur moment and she calls the lightsaber and the look on his face there and just she slashes him and she's stalking around him like a, you know, vixen. And then <laughs> Chewie picks her up and and he's just looking after her. I'm just like, this is going to they're going to they're going to do things together. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I was like, there's no yes, way they're they not are. doing things together. <laughs> There's yeah, no they way are. they're not doing things together. And then they <laughs> hand touch together. And I was like, oh my God, Ryan Johnson's like the best girlfriend I've ever had because he totally gets it. <laughs> I, to try to imagine not shipping them before The Last Jedi and then going into The Last Jedi completely mind blown is really hard to fathom. Uh, so I really can't answer that that second part of that question because obviously I shipped them mm-hmm. before my body even knew what it was. And, but if I, if I didn't ship them before the last Jedi, what was the second part of that question? again? Would it change like, how you, you view the force awakens on subsequent viewings? I can say that after seeing the last Jedi and starting girls with sabers with M Going back to The Force Awakens, all the little subtleties between them, even though they didn't have a whole lot of of time together in the grand scheme of the whole entire film, all of it's there. You see it. You see certain things that are that are that are done. Um, even when Lore Santeca says, "You cannot deny the truth. That is your family." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course he was part of the church of the force and whether he was force sensitive or not, you you just will never know. But, and the map and, uh, Laura Santeca giving the map to Poe 
And he says, this will begin to make things right. What does he mean by that? Does he mean, well, this is going to find Luke and Luke will make everything right? Or does he know, like, does he know, is he some type of soothsayer? So he knows once the map to Luke is found, Luke will go to Crate and will, Luke will try to make things right with Ben. Like, all this stuff is, like, swirling around in your mind. So it's like the little subtleties get picked up in The Force Awakens yeah. once you've seen The Last Jedi, whether it's Raylo or not. I feel regardless of if you shipped it or not or even saw it, going back after seeing that second film just enriches The Force Awakens. Yeah. In my mind. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. originally knew there was something there between them. I didn't know Raylo was the name when I saw The Force Awakens. I just knew mm-hmm. here was this very conflicted villain and Ben Solo and all my friends were saying, oh, he's so whiny, he's so annoying. And I'm like, I don't see that at all. I see him as like... Somebody who's very conflicted and somebody who doesn't know who he is. And I kind of vibe with that. Like, so I really yeah, like yeah. Ben Solo and Kylo Ren as a villain. I think he's the best villain in Star Wars. And then I really love the mysterious aspects of Rey. Like, who is she? What is what is her place in this universe? I love the fact that she's mm-hmm. nobody. And once I saw The Last Jedi, it was like really ingrained in my head. Like, okay, this, this relationship's going somewhere. And it wasn't until I really got into the fandom that I found out about the actual label of of Raylo and then I started listening to, you know, podcasts like What the Force and and Sky Talkers, etc. So and you guys watching your videos too is just such great analysis that takes that Raylo beyond just a, a ship, just beyond a romantic yeah. relationship. There's mythological elements and storytelling elements to it. And at the end of the day, we're not just here not just to ship the two characters romantically, but to really get to the heart of why they are connected, why their story matters and why at this Mm -hmm. point in their lives, they're coming together is going to repair and heal the galaxy. So that's really what Raylo is about more than just a ship. And yes, having Raylo be a now label for me in my head when I really couldn't contextualize it at first it does change my viewings of The Force Awakens every single time I watch it. I watched the interrogation scene today and I was like, this is way different than when I first watched it. Like, I knew he really didn't want to hurt her and when I first saw it in theaters. But I, I like now I realize there's so many subtleties in the way that Adam Driver and Daisy act towards each other that you know that they're both very confused and they're they're mm-hmm. figuring it out as they go. There's just so so many layers to it as as we've talked and yeah, that's a great question, though. So thank you for, for asking that. Yeah. Jakku Gerblin, still great, great handle there. So, so Emrys, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? I'm good with what she said. So, okay. yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> Twinning. <laughs> well, that's it. We've come to the end of the road. Insert sad Pippin song from The Hobbit, The Battle of the, oh. <laughs> the Five Armies. Oh, my God. I've sung that song so many times. <laughs> so we have come to the end this is great two hours not expected but very very welcomed this conversation went so many places and i'm very excited with how it turned out emerson luthien thank you both so much for coming on the show very happy to have you and this is now our third collab together so i'm very excited Yay! for what's to come after the rise of skywalker when we get back together and we have all the answers right in front of us and we get to do these crazy meta analysis so where can everybody find your work Everyone can find us on Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And our merch is on TeePublic. And if you want to listen to our previous episodes, we did an episode on Anakin, the rise and 
fall of Anakin Skywalker. We did that a couple months ago on the Friends of the Force feed. And then on your YouTube channel, Girls with Sabres, we did a collaboration on the Force bond and what that means in the larger context of, yes. of Raylo even and, and Luke and Kylo's relationship. So go check those out. As for Friends of the Force, you can find us at Friends of Force on Twitter and Friends of the Force on Instagram. Make sure wherever you're listening to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash friendsoftheforce. Thank you to our current patrons, Alderanian Rose, Chris from Kentucky, Michael Condon, Neil Lowry, Rural Farm Boy, and T. And again, that Patreon starts at just $1 a month. And we are also a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, which aims at promoting positivity in the Star Wars fandom. So once again, yeah. Emrys and Yay. Luthien, thank you both for coming on today. I'm so happy to have thank you both. Thank you, Brad. So for all you out there listening, we're all ones with the Force. We're all friends of the Force. And may the Force be with you always. But I don't regret, nor will I forget all who took that road. you all a very fond farewell